Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad you all are here today. Happy Father's Day, dads. I got to say it to you guys. Uh, we all need it, right? Yeah. <laughs> what a blessing to be a dad. What a blessing to be a father. It's an honor. Yeah. Actually, it's an honor to be a father. Yes. So I just want to congratulate you guys, and I'm so thankful to get to be here today. Hey, today we're going to continue our uh, series, Wisdom and Folly, uh, about the life and the reign of King Solomon. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen how King Solomon came to be king and uh, how he established himself on the throne. So now today we're in 1 Kings chapter 3, and what we're going to see is the heart of King Solomon along with his first steps towards wisdom, okay? Because, you know, because this is going to, this is the, the chapter where God makes him an offer that is like incredible, that most of us, uh, well, it's unprecedented in scripture and most of us can't even imagine someone making such an offer to us, okay? So before we get started, though, I have a question for you. So how would you become wise? How do you become wise? By fearing the Lord. By fearing the Lord. By depending on the Holy Spirit. By depending on the Holy Spirit. Associating with wise people. Associating with wise people. Walk with the wise and be wise. Right? <laughs> a, a companion of fools <laughs> suffers harm. Boy, that's, that's a pretty good contrast, right? Okay, any other thoughts on how to become wise? No, I, mean, I think we I think you've really got some some good things here. So let's see what how Solomon, okay, how he approached it. So let's read uh, begin today's scripture passage in First Kings cha chapter three. We're going to read the first fifteen verses, okay, verses one to fifteen. It'll be on the screen, or you can follow along in your Bible if you have it. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building the palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices because that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father, David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. So 
God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Man. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. Man, God was pleased, wasn't he? I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, no one, you will have no equal among kings. And if you will walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Okay, there's quite a bit there, isn't there? Okay, so, so what we see in this first passage, right, is that Solomon starts, it starts off by confirming that Solomon had already made a name for himself by this point as, as king of, of, of Israel, because, um, uh, and, and among, you know, the other kings, right, in the various countries, so much so that Pharaoh, not a small thing, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, remember, this is where they used to be slaves 400 years ago, okay, now Pharaoh is willing to make an alliance with him and offers him his daughter in marriage. In those days, uh, when you offered your daughter in marriage, it was to confirm the alliance. It was, it was like if, if my daughter is living over with you, it's assurance to you I won't attack, right? Because my, my family's there, all right? So, so that's quite a thing that, that Solomon married uh, one of Pharaoh's daughters. And it's interesting, Scripture tells us that over Solomon's life, he actually had 700 wives, 700. Many of them came from these types of alliances and, and agreements and treaties that he made, okay? But that's a, that's a lot of wives on Mother's Day. That makes Father's Day seem simple, okay? But, but there you go. I couldn't, that was too easy, wasn't it? I just had to say that. Okay, but then we move on to verse 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord, though, by walking according to the instructions given to him by his father David, it said. Except he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Now, high places were former pagan Canaanite shrines. Two issues here. Marrying foreign women who served pagan gods and offering sacrifices on the high places, okay, are going to point to a problem that will plague Solomon later in his life. Because the issue for Solomon, as well as for us, is when we have a divided heart. A divided heart. So, the verses go on. In verses 4 to 15, these verses tell us that Solomon goes to Gibeon, which is a town about seven miles north of Jerusalem. In 2 Chronicles 1.3, it tells us that Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place at Gibeon for God's tent of meeting, the one they had had with them when they were wandering through the wilderness. God's tent of meeting was there, the one that Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness. And there at Gibeon, Solomon worshipped the Lord and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. 
While Solomon was there, that's when the Lord appeared to him at night and asked and said, you can ask for whatever you want me to give you. And like I said, I think most of us would just go, wow. <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, isn't that just kind of a wow? Okay. Um, you know, okay, before we go on, what kind of things could Solomon have asked for? What, what would have been like normal? Wealth. Give me money, right? What else? Safety for his kingdom. Safety for his kingdom, yeah. What else could he have asked for? Yeah, that his enemies would get wiped out, right? Defeat of his enemies. Power. Right? I mean, there, it would, you know, like I always said, a red Corvette. I mean, he, there's so, there are so many things, if we really think about it, that, that he might have asked for. Great army, yeah, yeah, so that he could handle any problem. I mean, there are so many things that, that would cross our minds, if we're honest, right? That if, if someone said, ask for anything you want. But in spite of this amazing offer, Solomon's response, I think, was this kind of remarkable mixture of praise and gratitude and humility and actually boldness. Okay, because for praise and gratitude, if you re remember the verses we read, it was centered on God's kindness to his father David. And, and that because of David's faithfulness and undivided heart in serving God, that, that, that he was who he was, right? And that, and that God now, in gratitude, God had fulfilled David's desire to have his son follow him and sit on his throne. And so Solomon had been blessed in that way by his father David. And so there's praise and gratitude. It quickly turns to humility because Solomon says a rather remarkable thing, doesn't he? When he said, I'm only a child and I, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Now, we know from other scripture that Solomon uh, was about 20 years old when he became king. But we also know that at that point, he was already married and he'd actually had a son. Okay? So, but then at the same time, his father, King David, was quite a powerful figure. All right? So, what we really kind of see is that Solomon is faced with a, um, a pretty big responsibility. Okay? Um, it's, so this, this statement that he makes, it's really, it's not that Solomon's actually a child. You know, he's not eight years old, okay? He's not a child, okay? But the fact is, and like some of us, he was faced when he, when he considered the responsibility that he had, when he considered what he had come into and that the things that God had for him to do, what he realized was that it made him feel like a child. Right? He felt like a child in, in terms of an immaturity and inexperience in respect to the leadership duties that were now expected of him. I think in today's language, we'd kind of say he felt like he got thrown into the deep end of the pool. Right? I mean, that's kind of, that would be kind of how we would look at it, okay? But Solomon makes this in this bold request of God. And he, and he says, God, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Now, the, the, this expression, a discerning heart, literally, when you translate it from the Hebrew, 
It's a hearing heart. It's, that's, and that is critical. It's a hearing heart, a heart that hears. Okay? Discernment in Hebrew conveys the idea of being able to distinguish between options. But between being able to see whether something is right or wrong, wise or foolish. Wisdom is primarily used in the context to, dis- to describe like skill in living. Okay, skill in living. True wisdom is not about being smart. It's more about the ability to live your life in the way that God has ordered it. A little different way to think about that, isn't it? Okay, Solomon was asking for divine help. He was asking for help to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong, truth from a lie. As he led and he administered justice, he also needed to hear his people. He needed to hear them. And he needed to understand and know their needs and concerns as well. Verse 10 tells us that the Lord was pleased with his request. Solomon had asked for what truly mattered. He had asked and he had prayed in alignment with God's will. And isn't it true that when we pray and seek God and ask him for things that are in alignment with his will, that he is delighted to respond. Verses 11 to 14 tell us that God was pleased and he responded to Solomon's request by not only giving him what he had asked for, but that wise and discerning heart, but also he was going to give him things he had not asked for. Wealth and honor. In fact, God told him, in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. You have no equal. Solomon had no idea how quickly he was going to need this wisdom. As we go on reading in 1 Kings 3, verses 16 to 28, what we'll see, it says, so now, now Solomon's on the throne, and it says, now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night, took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep, and put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning I got up to nurse my son, but he was dead. When I looked at him more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is mine. The dead one is yours. But the first one said, no, the dead one uh, is yours. The living one is mine. So they argued before the king. The king says, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. The king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king and he gave an order. Cut the living child in two and give half to each woman. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living child. Don't kill him. But the other said, no, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. 
The king gave his ruling. <laughs> Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held King Solomon in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Look, like so many issues that we face in life, this one was challenging. Correct path forward, not clear. Only two witnesses. I mean, only two people. There were no other witnesses, right? Just those two involved. There's no DNA testing available. Well, you know, okay. Not all the things that we would think, oh, you know, call CSI. No, you know, there was no, there was none of that available. The situation confronting Solomon would be a true test of his wisdom and ability to lead and administer justice. And think about it. This was before two of the lowest people in society. If they could have justice, wouldn't that speak volumes to everyone else that they could expect justice as well? Okay. After hearing all the arguments, Solomon's judgment cut the living baby in two and give half to each woman. Listen, nobody had ever heard such a verdict. It was shocking. And the verdict stunned one of the women who immediately cried out that the child must be spared and given to the other woman. But the second woman revealed her cold-heartedness by her willingness to have the child die, have it sacrificed. Here's the thing. Remember what Solomon had asked for? A discerning heart. A hearing heart. Solomon, in his verdict, had exposed both women's hearts. But Solomon's discerning heart, his hearing heart, had heard the heart cry of the true mother. His verdict, Give the child to the first woman. She's the mother. The news of Solomon's ruling, it tells us, swept through the nation. And everyone held the king in awe because they saw that he did have wisdom from God to administer justice. Okay, but now look, what about you and me? What about our lives? What about our situation? You and I face difficult and complex situations, don't we? We face situations every day where the path forward is not clear, where there isn't a, a, just a crystal clear, solid answer to, to walk on. So we need help in making decisions because our decisions have long-term consequences as well. They matter. So let's take a moment and let's look at what Solomon did. And the question then for us today is like Solomon, how can we become wise? How can we have that? Hearing heart. Well, the first thing we have to do is we need to recognize that we have a need for God's wisdom. Right? That's pretty basic, but that's awfully important. We have to recognize we need even Solomon, who became king of a stable nation. I mean, he inherited a good thing. His father David left him in good condition. Okay? A stable nation, plentiful resources, surrounded by wise counselors, uh, at a time of peace, recognized that ultimately, though, here's what Solomon recognized. He recognized that ultimately the buck stopped with him. He, he was actually responsible. Okay? And so all these other blessings, the provisions, the, all the setup he had, it would all help. 
Okay, but he knew that he needed the gift of God's wisdom to successfully carry out the responsibilities of his calling. So do you and I. So do you and I. We need God's wisdom to carry out our calling. Life's challenges and opportunities are just too big, too difficult, and too important, and too complex often for us to go it alone. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Here's the clearest way for you and I to think about this. God's plans require God's wisdom. God's plans require God's wisdom. So the first step for us to becoming wise is to recognize that no matter how smart you are, no matter how smart you are, you need God's wisdom. Second step for us to becoming wise. By the way, can I just add one thing here? The enemy's going to try and tell you you're smart enough. Let's just, okay, it's... The enemy's going to try and tell you you're smart enough. Wisdom's not needed here. Smart. You're smart enough. Smart, no matter how smart you are, there's always someone smarter than you. It's kind of like money. No matter how much money you've got, there's always somebody that's got a dollar more. Right? You know, I mean, so no matter how smart you are, there's always somebody smarter than you. The enemy is good at smart. Okay? That's why when people take advantage of you, they call it, I outsmarted you. Mm -hmm. The enemy's good at that. What the enemy cannot give you is wisdom. Because scripture tells us very clearly that wisdom comes from God. Okay, so don't get confused about smart. Smart's not bad, but smart's not enough. Okay, don't go it alone. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to be like Solomon and we've got to ask for wisdom. We have to actually ask for it. This is precisely what Solomon did. Of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, he asked for this wise and discerning heart, a heart that could hear. Proverbs 2.6 tells us that for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Here's the deal. You and I can do the same thing. We can do exactly the same thing. You and I can come boldly before God, just like Solomon did, and we can ask him, for a wise and discerning heart, a hearing heart. Hebrews 4.16 confirms it. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Whatever the issue, no matter the challenge you're facing, no matter how overwhelming it looks, and some of us have faced some pretty big challenges. Can we agree on that? We face some pretty big challenges. We face some where the odds do not look good for us. And yet we're here. Ask God to give you wisdom to get you through it. Ask Him to order your steps and tell Him that you need a heart that can hear His voice. James 1.5 tells us if any of you lacks wisdom, you can ask God who gives generously. Do you get that word? He doesn't just spoon it out like 
Oh, you asked for wisdom? Well, here, I'll give you one little nugget. It says when we ask him for wisdom, he will give it to us generously. Can you understand how much it pleases the heart of God when we ask for a wise and discerning heart that can hear his voice? Of course he wants to give us that generously. It pleases his heart. And he will give it generously without finding fault. So God doesn't say, I would give it to you if you hadn't messed up so many times in the past. I give it to you if you were a little better. Do you know, you know what I mean? The world likes to find fault. God loves it when we turn to him and say, Lord, give me wisdom so that I can serve you faithfully. Scripture tells us that God was so pleased that Solomon had not asked for those selfish things, but it sought the heart of God in his request that he not only gave him what he asked for, right, but he gave him all the things he didn't ask for, wealth and honor. I think maybe Solomon had read some of his dad's writings. Maybe on Father's Day he had read them or something, okay? Psalm 37, verse 4, David wrote, Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. One more thing. Asking God for daily wisdom, I would recommend to you, is actually one of the most practical things you can do. It's true that godly wisdom is from heaven. We all agree? Okay, godly wisdom comes from heaven. But here's the deal. It's application where it's actually... like. When, De when Solomon actually gave the, the verdict, its application, where we use it, is right down on street level. It's right down where people live. It's right down among everybody. So here's the thing. Godly wisdom in your life will not only bless and benefit you, but it's a blessing and benefit to all those around you, within your sphere. They benefit. Those two women, they... They benefited from godly wisdom, from justice. All of Israel benefited from a king who was hearing the voice of God. It yields blessings since it will guide you how to interact with those around you. Like I said earlier, smart is a dime a dozen. There's a lot of smart people. Wisdom is rare. Wisdom is rare. So ask God for wisdom. Finally, third thing, guard your heart. Realize you need wisdom, ask God for wisdom, and then guard your heart. What does that have to do with wisdom? Well, Proverbs 4.23 tells us, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Solomon's decision between the two prostitutes, two of society's lowest, became known by all of Israel and confirmed for the whole nation that no matter who you were, where you were in society, justice was possible. However, to protect that wise and hearing heart, you have to avoid developing a divided heart. The enemy is constantly going to try to lure you into thinking that other thoughts, 
other beliefs, other things, current attitudes, what's popular today, that all of these other ways to think and feel and act and use as the plumb line for your life, other things other than God's word, that these other things, he will help you think of labels for them like reasonable and tolerant. But I have to remind us all that God will not rewrite the Bible to appease today's easily offended generations. So his word remains the same forever. We need to guard our hearts. God's word is true. It remains true forever, irrespective of opinions, attitudes, and what's popular today. So how do we do that? Well, best way, read his word daily. Again, Psalms 119, verse 1, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Reading God's word, getting it into our heart, will guide us. It will keep our feet on straight and level paths. And then, here's the other one that's pretty crucial. Simply said, it's be careful who you hang out with. Be careful who you hang out with. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. You need friends in your life, people you hang out with. You need people who will encourage you in your walk of faith. You need people who will hold you up, will pray for you, will encourage you. You do not need people in your life who will lead you, who will lead you astray. So, Hang, be careful who you hang out with. Always remember that of all life's most significant battles, like all of them, end up being battles of the heart. It guides everything you do. So guard yours like your life depended on it. Because it does. So would you stand with me as we get ready to close? Today, I just want to invite you, just as you stand, just bow your heads, no looking around. Today, you may have realized that you have never asked God, actually taken that moment and asked God to give you wisdom, to give you a hearing heart, a discerning heart. Or maybe you just haven't in a long time and you feel the need to do it again and ask God, Lord, I need more. I need more wisdom. He's told us he will give it generously to all who ask without finding fault. So if that's you today and you'd say, yeah, I, I want to ask God, same thing Solomon did, I want to ask for a wise and discerning heart. Just raise your hand. Yeah, amen. So Lord, today you have seen our hands. God, we all need your wisdom. Father, we live in a lot of ways a complicated time. Lord, we live in difficult circumstances and, and in situations, Father, that are not easy to navigate always. But Lord, we know that with your wisdom, you will show us a way. Lord, we know that with you, nothing is impossible. And Lord, we know that your word promises that when, by asking, Lord, you have promised to give us wisdom generously. So Lord, today, we just say, Lord, we receive it from you. Lord, we receive your wisdom, your gift of wisdom. 
Lord, grant us all a wise and discerning heart, Lord, a heart that can hear your voice and can distinguish between truth and a lie, right and wrong. Because, Lord, we want to honor you each day of our lives with our words and our actions. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.